I can tap into a truer version of myself in French rather than an awkward, unsure version of myself in French, which is like, it's, it's like your, your best you in another language <laughs> in a way. Welcome to The Fluent Show, a podcast all about loving, living, and learning languages, as many as you like. Hi everyone, my name is Kirsten, I'm from fluentlanguage.co.uk, and I'm here like every week to tell you interesting things about learning languages. And in today's episode, I bring you an interview with Nicole. Nicole is an artist, really, and hasn't let the fact that she doesn't work with languages at all deter her from finding time in her life to learn French and learn French to a fluent, to a very high level. I met Nicole through coaching sessions, so she got in touch with me about my language coaching service and wanted to have a conversation about what it feels like and how you move on from when you're pretty advanced at a language and you've done one for a while and you're sort of starting to get curious about the next one. How do you make time? How do you progress in the language that you're good at? How do you do everything better than last time? Can you do everything better than last time? So this conversation is about the pains and the joys of being really good at a language. Nicole is a wonderful, calm person. She brought a really reflective, wonderful energy to it. And I really appreciated that she's a busy lady, but she did it anyway. And I think that will resonate with lots of you out there who have got things to do, places to be, and you still want to get fluent in another language. It's possible. Take some tips from Nicole in the interview today. Before we jump in, You guys know who I have to shout out to, and that is italki, the effective, fastest way to become fluent. You will hear italki mentioned in the interview, completely unprompted, but that is because Nicole used it, I've used it in the past, I still use italki on a regular basis. It's just the place on the internet to find human teachers and find the best way to learn, period. You will more make more progress when you've got a human to practice with, be that a friend, a community tutor, or a qualified and expert tutor. Every lesson is customized to your learning style and your goals, and they are one-to-one, -one, extremely convenient. I used to teach on italki. I used, to, I used to take, I still take lessons on italki. Absolutely love it, and I think it's just one of those language learning no-brainers. Using an online tutor tends to be more affordable than using an offline tutor, tends to be a lot more affordable than online schools, and even more affordable than a lot of software. Like Rosetta Stone can cost $200 for one CD. Compare that to 20 hours, 10 hours with a live teacher at italki, you will get a lot more out of those sessions. If you want to find your next online tutor in any language, I have found tutors in there for Icelandic and Welsh and very unusual languages, so do check it out. And you want to get a voucher of $10 because you're a Fluent Show listener and you're awesome? Head over to fluentlanguage.co.uk slash italki. That's fluentlanguage.co.uk slash I-T-A-L-K-I. And you will find the world of online tutoring opening its doors to you. That was our sponsor, Italki. Just another quick announcement, quick reminder. My German mini course is ready. Its doors are open for you. So why not come on in, sign up at german2019.com. That's german2019.com if you want to learn German with me this year. And you will discover the magical, wonderful, encouraging, fun effects of story-based learning. It really makes a huge difference when you're a starter. We've got lots of feedback from the first batch of students who went through this course and they absolutely loved it. So no further ado, german2019.com is open today. It's free. Got nothing to lose. Check it out. Moving on to the interview. 
Here is the lovely Nicole Miles. Hey, Nicole, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hey. <laughs> it's really nice to talk to you. We, we've gone a few months without talking, but just for our listeners as an intro, the way that we know each other is that you contacted me about language coaching maybe three, four months ago. Yeah. And, and since then, we've had a few sessions just talking about your your language learning progress and particularly the interesting topic of how to cope with being advanced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we'll talk about that a little bit because I think some of what we discussed in our sessions is just so interesting and so relevant to everybody. And you're now in the progress of um, still prepping for an exam and about to take on a second language, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh man. So we've got a lot to talk about. But before we kick off, I wanted to start by asking, well, I know where you live, which is Leeds in the north mm -hmm. of England, but I know that you're not from Leeds originally, right? Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I am originally from the Bahamas uh, in the Caribbean, because um, I think a lot of people actually don't know it. I just assume that people know where that is, but a lot of people don't, I'm realizing more and more. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's in the Caribbean, and I live there for, like, well, all of my uh life pretty much and i just came over to the uk t for university and i went to cardiff and uh that was when i was 18 or maybe just turned 19 and then i spent five years in cardiff and then moved up to leeds for a job after university wow what was that like moving from the caribbean to wales um it was uh not that scary really and like I, and a lot of people when I'd moved were like oh you're such a risk taker and all this stuff and um <laughs> I didn't really think of it uh that way at all um partly probably because um I'd visited um a few times before because my dad's actually Welsh so um I'd come up I think on maybe three different like family vacations every few years or so um but We'd never really been in Cardiff like that, so it's not like it was a home away from home kind of situation or anything, but it felt familiar enough, I guess. And I think just uh, that kind of space that you're in when you're going away to uni, things are more exciting than daunting anyway. So it was just like taking everything in, mm -hmm. I guess, and like a, just a really positive time. So yeah, it was just really fun. <laughs> Do you remember your first day in, in Cardiff? I do, actually, yeah. <laughs> I re remember feeling like, oh, maybe I'm being a little bit antisocial because I came down, at, well, up <laughs> to the UK with my dad that day. And then he kind of went off uh, with his friends and stuff and I was at, in halls. Um, but my cousin was already like at Cardiff at uni doing a different um, thing. And I remember like spending that day with her instead of going around halls and getting to know people. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, maybe I should, maybe I should be more like sociable and whatever else. But also it just felt fun to like hang out with her because I hadn't seen her for a while. <laughs> and that was like a good kind of way, I think, of, um, having like familiarity in a new place and feeling more comfortable in a new place. And then just like after that, I kind of got out of my, little bubble a bit more but yeah <laughs> mm, a good way of settling in yeah definitely and you obviously I know you as somebody who's very focused on your languages but in your mm. work there's not a lot of foreign languages what about your upbringing um no uh well mm, um <laughs> I, I was gonna say no not at all but actually uh I guess sort of because um, my mum's eldest sister actually learned Spanish and like she's fluent in that language and she I remember one of the times when we'd visited the UK we'd actually visited her in London because she'd gone to do her master's there in Spanish and uh, I remember being always like really impressed that she could like speak this other language and stuff so I guess there was that but um Other than that, not really. I think in growing up, there was a lot of, like, my, all of my family really likes um, words and 
reading and things like that. And I've always loved the English language. And I feel like if you really enjoy your own language, in a way, you're more primed to be interested in other languages as well. So mm-hmm. maybe it was more that than being introduced directly to foreign languages. Um, I mean, like there's always school, but that's kind of different, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> most people say, yeah, it's kind of different, and it's kind of different to. It's different to make it, make that decision when you're grown up to grown yeah. up. Oh, you know, it's it's, it's different yeah. when you choose to do it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> mm. Do people speak other languages in the Bahamas? Is there anything around? Um, not officially. Um, it's wow. just English, pretty much. But there are a lot of um, like Haitian migrants, and so I guess uh, there is that somewhere there as a as another language. Um, I know that Spanish is very popular because a lot of people uh, like to go off to the United States, and uh, that's kind of I don't. Um, I don't know how to say this right, but that's like a popular language over there, I guess. And so sometimes people see that as an advantage or maybe they'll go to like different Caribbean islands where it'll tend to be either French or Spanish that's spoken. Um, I I think at home, if someone's going to learn a foreign language, Spanish tends to be, um, from my experience, what people tend to lean towards, I guess. Mm. And then if you're wanting to go to Canada, maybe you might decide to possibly learn French. But I think overall, though, there's not really a lot of foreign language learning, which is a little bit sad. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. So without that much, I guess, desire to, or like that much priming for learning French, how how come you started off learning French? When did that happen? Um, it was around, like, I know at the end of primary school, so when we were in grade five and six, you, like, grade five, we had done some Spanish, like, as just, like, a super basic intro, and then grade six, we'd done some French, and then in grade seven, for high school, you choose, um, which one you wanted to do, and I, it's funny, because, like, I think I had more reason, I guess, to learn Spanish, because, you know, with my aunt speaking Spanish and, like, my mum had some friends who did and whatnot, but I just leaned towards French. Maybe it's because my name is French, I don't know. (laughs) But I just liked French better for whatever reason. Uh, Maybe also because I liked art. Um, In my mind, uh, French was more associated with the art that I was interested in rather Mm. than Spanish. Art. I mean, like, I, I appreciate them both now, but I, I think at that time, I guess you're thinking about, like, um, certain periods in art. And, and for me at that time, it was French that was more interesting in that way. Mm. Now, you mentioned art. This, does art play a big role in your life? Yes. <laughs> so um, that, that's what I do as a job. Um, I'm an illustrator and designer, um, so, like, there's not really any concrete reason for me to do anything to do with languages other than I just like them. Um, and, like, well, obviously other, like, if I wanted to go to a different country or something that doesn't speak English as their main language, then that would be a reason and I could do art somewhere else, but, like, to actually do my job, I don't need any other languages. Mm. Um, but I don't. I think they kind of go together well, though. At the same time, because I think to make anything, like to create anything, that's kind of to me more fun and interesting. It's always kind of good to find out more perspectives, and like languages can really help you access things that you wouldn't be able to normally just through translations. Yeah, that's so true. So, yeah, that definitely feels like a supplement to what I do. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So we're mostly talking about your advanced level learning. It's interesting that you, you already mentioned accessing, you know, accessing art and accessing the, the culture that you're aiming for. So you've always had, you've always had that bigger goal underneath. It wasn't mm. about 
I want to get good at conversation or something like that. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, uh, I guess, just uh, like seeing all of the stuff that's there um, and wanting to know more about it. There's always just this really strong feeling that like um, I could know more about it if I just was closer to the primary source <laughs> or something. Oh, that's um, so cool. So it's like, uh, I don't know, just a way to get in more. And it, it's weird as well, because I think the more I do what I'm doing and the more I like learn languages and stuff, the more aware I am of the uh, deeper, for lack of a better word, um, things in language that kind of can't be easily translated in a way like uh, there's a lot of like really fun um things to do with like oh this uh group of speakers sees this color differently because they don't have the exact word for it like that's fun trivia but like recently um there was a book that i'd read in english but it's just recently been translated into french and i know there was a lot of um, hubbub about the name, the way that the name of the book was changed. And because I can speak English and French, I understand why that book title was changed because in English it's just, um, like a normal title. And in French it's, it could be considered very offensive. Oh. Um, but, but then if you're like just, uh, an English speaker looking at that title change, you, like, there have been people who are saying that they were annoyed about the name change and it's like, uh, softening the message of the book and all of this stuff. But it's from a perspective that doesn't really understand how those terms, it's like when you have a cognate that, um, it's like it's linked, but it doesn't mean exactly the same thing in that other language. <laughs> and what was the book? Uh, it was in English. It's called "Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race," and then in French, it was translated to uh, uh, "Racism is a White Thing" or something along those lines. Oh wow! But, <laughs> but the reason was just because, um, like in French, the word "race" is not really used for humans. It's like very. It's more like almost a different species kind of thing. It's like when you talk about dog breeds, that kind of thing. And so it's like it would be offensive to um, use it in the way that we do in English. And so yeah, it, it was just really interesting that kind of thing to me because it's like you don't really get to access that kind of level of nuance until you get a lot further in a language, I guess. Yes. Yes. And I know what you mean. It's there's so many, you know, be, being being a German speaker and being German, um, there's certain things that where I'm also thinking, wow, there's that type of thing. There's things you can say in English that if you took every word and put it into German, it would be incredibly, <laughs> it, it would it would be yeah. offensive, it, or it would just be <laughs> so uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, I have I've had conversations where I said to somebody, so considering the fact that we're German and given our history, we don't really talk about these types of things in this way. Mm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think also, it, it, in a way, um, the languages that are more similar, like, let's say, um, French, English, German, mm -hmm. compared to languages like maybe English to Chinese or something, mm -hmm. um, I think the sim the more similar languages, we tend to not realize how big some of those gaps are, even though they seem sim like if you have a word that's similar or you think that you can use a word in a similar way, like you tend to take certain things for granted in that way, I think sometimes. Whereas if it's a language that feels like there's a bigger gap, um, I think you kind of just assume already that, oh, everything is approached in a really different way. Um, so it's kind of like sometimes we need to reframe maybe and be like well let's just what if mm -hmm. <laughs> these people you know see it in a different way from it like the word might sound the same or similar but maybe it's viewed a different way let's consider that as a possibility <laughs> do you think your background coming from the bahamas to the uk helped you be be more aware of of this different perspective um I'm not sure really. Um, it's one of those things where I think 
uh, it can be really hard to tell things like that just because, um, like, I, I don't have anything to compare it to on a really personal level like that, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, if I, um, maybe if I'd grown up in two different places, like, if, if half of my childhood was spent one place and then half of it spent another place, maybe I'd have more to compare to in that way, but... It's like hard to tell if other people aren't um like experiencing things in the same way as me despite not having made a move like that. Mm. Mhm. So. No, that's so, that's very true. Yeah, it's um it's interesting to me though all of that kind of stuff. So I I love how you've got we often talk about the motivations and the types of goals and the reasons we pick up learning a language and that kind of intense, intense, what should I call it? Curiosity or this awareness that there is more to this. There is more to this. I'm going to, you know, I want to see more. I want to see more. I think that's a really cool driver to have and a really Mm. cool thing to acknowledge. But in the day to day, let's, let's, I guess, look at the day to day. Do, Do you think, I knew I know you from you know being already an advanced French speaker so there's probably two three years of French learning that I'm not that aware of right Mm. (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) like how many years have you been learning now um I always find that so tricky because it's like I Mm. think most language learners will probably agree with this but even though you like a lot of us will have started learning a language in school, it kind of feels like those years mean literally nothing. Like, (laughs) (laughs) technically, like in school, I I guess that would have been six years of like, in air quotes, learning French. Um, But I would say at the end of that, I was maybe an A2, Um, possibly just scratching B1 at the end of like six years of school, just because that's kind of how school systems are. And I think that that was like a good outcome for me. Like I I know a lot of people who um, just didn't progress at at all at all in any way after that much um, formal schooling, just because I don't think our system, like, I don't know, I can only speak for the Bahamas, I guess, but it seems like other people talk about the same kind of thing where school in itself doesn't necessarily do a lot for Mm -hmm. people's language learning. But then after that, um, (laughs) I did no French at all through all of university. And I think pretty much no French like the two years after university either. (laughs) And then after that, I came around to finding italki mm. um, in a sort of uh, random way, I think. And I'd like been aware of it for a while before I actually decided to try um, like finding a tutor on there. And then I'd say there were um, quite a few sessions that I'd done. And I think during that time I was like B1 and then I'd taken a long break. Um, but during my break, I decided that I wanted to like read French books. Um, and I think that helped me a lot. So it was like somewhere between the reading of lots of, uh, Francophone content that's intended for Francophones and somewhere between making myself have these sessions with an actual French speaking person that my language learning really improved loads Mm -hmm. um and like it felt really cool as well because it was like well I'm doing it myself like (laughs) rather than being kind of led by someone because when you're doing something where like you are paying for the lessons in that kind of way it even if it were more structured than like what I did I mean I did get like um homework and whatever else on my when I first started with italki and that was fine like I did a lot of writing of essays and stuff which is like my favorite thing I love doing that and then um even if it were um I don't know more structured or whatever than that it's still very led by you like you are like I guess the customer for lack of a better term Mm -hmm. and so you're kind of 
leading it your, yourself, especially if you don't have any concrete reason like work or study to learn a thing. If you're just doing it yourself, um, you're very in charge of it. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 I guess to get back to the point, like it's hard to, uh, say how much time any of that took like if I were to look at the hours because I have done that like eight, not recently but like ages ago when I was like looking at the hours because I felt like oh you know I've been doing this I this new italki thing for like months now and then when I actually added up how much time because it wasn't like I was doing it every day or every week even necessarily it ended up not being that many hours but I felt like for the amount of hours that I was spending um, I was seeing a lot of improvement and th- I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but it's like that weird thing where you realize that it's really hard to say in terms of time I- in that way, like how much has gone into your language learning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think, I think mostly it's like a good use of time rather than an amount of time that that has really improved my French because I found, like I said, it was like six years of like high school did nothing for me really, like not a whole lot. Um, but a little bit of time spent on my own that doesn't even add up to a year, um, really rocketed my progress quite a lot. Yeah, that's crazy. Do you have any, do you have any tips if people are listening who are at the start or maybe in the middle of an italki journey and they're going, oh, I'm not sure if this works. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you have any – what worked for you in italki um, and in yeah, those sessions? I, I would say – well, I guess um, I, I, don't, I don't know how necessary it is to say, but I – um, an introverted person, like, like I, I think I'm, I'm not shy, but I am more introverted. Um, so I don't know if the way that I tend to be, and I think a lot of, like, I hear that a lot in language learning, and like people have this idea of like, um, I don't know, all of language learning is like for extroverts or something, and being an introvert is so weird. But it's not like <laughs> I feel like it's really common. <laughs> Um, to hear like the introvert perspective or whatever but um, like I just say that to say that a a lot of um, the way that I learn will probably be um, influenced by that Mm. but what I found though is like for me on italki I have rarely ever had a bad experience with a tutor and I think that's partly because um I do look through their profiles and like watch their videos and judge, I guess, based on what they're giving me. Um, do I think that that would be a good language learning style for me? Like there are some tutors that you can tell are very like much more structured than I would maybe want from my level and style. And that's not to say that that kind of way is bad because I think some people really prefer that and get on with that very well. But I think knowing how you want to learn and what you want to get out of things really helps. Like, I think that's even true. I mean, like we can chat about this later, but that was even true for like when I came to you with the language coaching. Like I knew what I kind of, well, I mean, like I had loads of questions, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I knew sort of what the purpose of going to you was in a way. Even though I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, it was still like, I generally know that, like, I'm not going to you to, like, I don't know, teach me all my languages. You know, like, I, I know what the function of that is. And similarly with italki, it's like, I largely, like, I wanted speaking practice. So it was good to get, like, the little grammar tidbits here and there that help me say what I want to say and doing exercises every so often. But that, that wasn't the focus of that. So it's like just being aware when you go on something like italki, what you actually want the teacher to be doing with you. Like they're not psychic. They're not going to be able to just like do a magical test or something and just know what they need to give to you. And they're not going to be able to like magically transform themselves into a different human that will just suit Mm. you. Like you need to be able to um, assess what you want and what kind of fits you because it's not going to just be everyone is a one size fits all just go with the cheapest teacher like I just don't think that that's practical um 
I feel like that should be obvious, but it, it isn't because I see a lot of things on there where someone's just like, um, teach me English for free or whatever. And I just think, well, that's obviously not going to work. Um, <laughs> obviously, <so. laughs> yeah. but I mean, obviously to some, <laughs> it's just like okay. I mean, we'll see how that works out for you. But mm. <laughs> um, I, I found those um, sessions at the beginning for me when I was more of like a B one to be. It was definitely more structured than my sessions are now, and I would say that then they were more like lessons, I guess. And I did get homework, and I did have to like write. Um, an essay about a thing or mm-hmm. um, we would chat about something and it would kind of be in a way a mode to like uh, get me comfortable with speaking and that kind of thing but now um, I do have um, regular sessions still but they are much more just I am just having a discussion and we talk about um, a lot of more complex things and it's more of like uh well, to be honest, it's more like I'm chatting with friends, <laughs> but um, it's like just making it more of a regular habit. And I've noticed there are certain things um, that I might just say naturally without having to think about anymore, just because of the practice of having talked about a thing a lot. Or I might just say naturally because of having heard a thing a lot. So I think... Um, like later on, like I know one thing that trips people up is in like French, the subjunctive, mm-hmm. it becomes a lot more natural if you just like as you're talking or as your tutor's talking and um, they just use a certain construction. There's some words that like you might say a word um, and it just the, the the verb that comes next just cannot be anything other than the subjunctive because you're just used to hearing it that way. And I think that's something that kind of... Um, is hard to sort of put across uh, how that works, but yeah. it just does. <laughs> it just <Yeah>. does. <laughs> it's. I remember learning the subjunctive and just going, "Why? That, that there's no reason. Yeah. There's no. There's absolutely no reason why this needs. It's so hard. And but it's that perspective thing, isn't it? It's like no, for a French person or a French speaker, there's absolutely a reason. The reason is it. You just did this. You've got to now do that. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas to to somebody who comes at it from completely from the outside, it's like, why do you do this thing? It's like yeah. cases or gender. You just think, why mm. bother people? But mm. they do, and it it adds. So you obviously have this. You obviously have a great attitude about you know. I think to to your studies in general and to your own, I guess, performance for lack of a better word. And you added in language coaching at at a very high level and i think that's interesting that because one thing to mention to people who are listening is in our sessions we never we never spoke french to mm. each other it wasn't about practicing more french yeah. what what questions brought you to to the to language coaching in that sense um i guess like i mean i can see how it's a really useful tool uh, at the beginning but i guess um at my level the the whole thing is where do I actually go now that I don't need any handholding anymore? Um, because I mean, I was already looking at like um, French content for French speakers. So like I listen to podcasts regularly and reading French books and you know, that kind of thing. And it's just kind of like, um, I, I'm, I guess really it it starts to get more psychological and just when can I be like yeah I'm good at this Mm. and it was getting used to that idea and also getting used to the idea of like is it okay for me to um add something else and how do I balance that with the things that I want to keep and it's just like I guess really um being able to ask someone who's been there uh what they think about it like and I might come to you with like some ideas and kind of just be like well does this seem to make sense like have you tried any of this before because obviously you've learned a second language to like native level and it's like having that sort of experience um you might not necessarily have um a thing to tell me until I ask you something um, because I think when we're learning languages, it's, it all, it's just like, you're just 
in it. You're like so in it and you're not like analyzing every step that you're doing as you're doing it. And then after you've got to a certain level and someone else comes and says, Oh, um, did you do this with, like by doing this other thing? Or like, did this thing help you? Or do you think this would be useful? And then you can be like, Oh yeah, actually, now that I think back on it, that was helpful. Or when I think back on it, that was totally not useful for me, but it's because I'm like this or that. Like, I think that conversation, um, was just really useful. And I knew that I guess I was going to you for advice about where to go next or just a little input or like, um, yeah, like from someone who'd been further than I had, mm. um, in something, because I think a lot of the time as well, we tend to get um information that travels laterally, I guess, in a way. Like, um, you might ask someone who's on the same level as you, oh, what are you doing? But you're both in it at the same place. And what's working for that? I mean, like, obviously, what works, for, what has worked for you might not necessarily work for me. But I think it's a different kind of perspective than, like, someone who's in the exact same place as me trying things. Um, it's, it's just a bit different. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's very it's very interesting and I found I found in in all the sessions that I've I've had with with everyone where I do this type of work is the more I can <laughs> shut up <laughs> or like you know like the more I can try and sort of say hey what what about this and what about this and mm. really just bring this the other angle the other perspective and really let you answer the questions and and the the better it works because it yeah. helps it just gets you to come out with your own answers that you already have some in a way yeah definitely and there were some times when like you'd ask a question and I'd be like oh yeah that feels so obvious why didn't I think of that but it's like I just wouldn't have thought of it and you need that other person to like ask you that thing or take it from a different direction that you just would not be able to just because of your perspective maybe or you know just being too in it in mm. a way <laughs> yeah exactly one thing that we talked about in in our language sessions that i wanted to share with our listeners was the idea of finding a a language role model and we're not thinking oh yeah <laughs> uh, what's my favorite polyglot <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was it was slightly different so mm. maybe explain the idea to our listeners and then talk about how that worked for you yeah um so it's kind of like uh looking at someone who's like a native speaker uh for example who's like they're speaking the language that you want to speak sort of in a way that you want to, like in a way that you would want to model, I guess. And um, I, f like for me, there are a lot of uh, people that I follow, um, like French people that I follow on YouTube or in podcasts or whatever, who I found fitted that. Uh, like I didn't, when the question first came to me, it was kind of like, oh, I don't know, no one? <laughs> but like after I thought about it um it was like actually there are people that I guess I guess to me to fit that role <laughs> to me it was like like f this uh woman called Colleen um from Pukwapa Colleen um and she's a YouTuber and she feels like a French version of like me on my best day in English, I guess. Um, like it feels like if I were to sort of look at how she is in French, um, I can tap into a truer version of myself in French rather than an awkward, unsure version of myself in French, which is like, it's, it's like your, your best you in another language mm. <laughs> in a way, but not like copying that person, um, like to be, a second them it's like taking the attributes that you think um will help you i guess to be the better you in that other language mm. um yeah and the the idea is really to you know to move away maybe from how exactly does this person use this language correctly and yeah, instead think yeah. what is the purpose what are they using their language for yeah that i also and, care about 
Yeah, definitely. And also, um, one big thing that, like, I don't know if, like, in my head it's so clear, so I don't know if I'm going to explain it um, the way that I want, but, like, I noticed that me, so me speaking French as a second language versus someone else speaking French as a second language will be different in the same way as, like, my or their native language. So, like, um... I tend to use the word cool a lot, like that's cool kind of thing. Um, I've heard that Americans are often accused of using the word awesome too much. <laughs> or like um, I know in uh, Yorkshire, ten- people tend to use lovely a lot. They love saying that. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> which words you tend to even um, hook onto. It- it'll be similar in like another a second language there'll mm. be certain words that you tend to like to use a lot more or certain constructions that mean the same thing as something else but there'll be certain constructions that you tend to lean on a lot more than other ones and i think the language role model kind of like if like for Colleen she uses a lot of the kinds of constructions and words that i tend to use when i'm speaking french like it's just very natural to me to look to someone like that, I guess, in that, like, I don't have difficulty understanding her, or um, if I were to say something, I would probably say it in a similar way, like, using similar words and stuff, and in a similar register, and all of that stuff, and it's just kind of, like, looking at that, as opposed to, like, it would be maybe a bit more unnatural for me to... um use uh, Montaigne as a model for speaking like contemporary French because he's like from another century <laughs> you know mm. like the there will be an appropriate model in a way it's kind of I guess it's kind of like I know people s- talk about like I don't know much about Japanese uh, yet but <laughs> the people talk about how there's a more like feminine way of talking and a more masculine way of talking. And it's kind of like if you were a guy, maybe you might not want to um, model yourself after a Japanese woman talking because it would sound strange, um, you know, because of different, I don't know, types of constructions or something. I'm not sure like how that works out, but do you know what I mean? It's like, the, the yeah. way that you if you want to sound more natural I guess you kind of need to see what that looks like rather than just imagine it. Other, otherwise I think there's going to be a tendency of just sounding like you're translating everything from your own language and it's going to sound a bit more awkward whereas if you're looking at someone who is like um almost like some sort of version of you in the language that you want to learn it feels like um emulating that in a way will be more natural and make your speech more natural and yeah <laughs> mm. so moving away from the real uses of the language out there taking it back to the classroom this is an interesting question and in a way because last time we spoke, or actually all the time we've talked, you said you're prepping for the C1 exam. Mm. <laughs> so first first question, really, why prep for the C1 exam or for, for any exam? Mm. You don't um, have to, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> But um, it's, it's, it's funny because I'm kind of... There's, there's so much going on in this decision. <laughs> <laughs> but basically like um in one way i feel like uh aiming for that sort of helps to give mm-hmm. um some structure to what i'm doing because like okay i don't need french for work or school or anything i don't need french strictly for anything um and at where i am now i can do everything that i need to and everything that i want to i guess um largely Uh, but I feel like I, I still want to improve. There's things that I can do and there's like times when, let's say I write something out and it's totally understandable to like a French person, but they might say, but this construction was a little bit like an English speaker speaking, mm-hmm. for, like occasionally you'll get that or occasionally it might be like, oh, we tend to prefer this word or, you know, that kind of thing. And I feel like, Uh, taking an exam, while it's not um, 
useful for a lot of things. Like, I'm very aware exams are not, like, a great uh, assessor of your language skills um, in a lot of ways, but it still helps give you a structure for how to get to a next level in a way mm-hmm. and makes you, makes you like aware of certain things that you might, if you're just following your interest, you might kind of um, omit by accident. And I think, like, um, for me, when I'm looking at, like, C1 level content and things to, like, um, like exercises for the C1 exam, it makes me have to look at content that I normally maybe wouldn't, and that might help improve my French, even though um, what I would need or want to do is at a lower level, perhaps. And I just really love French and I feel like I'm just happy to work towards something like that because it's it's an interest of mine mm-hmm. um, and I, I know like I don't necessarily I, I think another thing actually is that that C1 exam feels as well like it can almost give me the okay to say you know what I am good at French like I I've, <laughs> it, it's weird as well because I, as I get towards it I feel more like I'm able to say that anyway which is kind of what I want out of aiming for it mm-hmm, <laughs> you know what I mm-hmm. mean so I mean that's been interesting in itself but um I know that if I did have it then I would have a, a lot fewer issues um internally <laughs> with saying like yeah I'm I'm kind of good at this <laughs> mm-hmm. this is something that's been on your mind all the time that we've talked is this sort of like no how do I claim that I'm how do I claim that I'm good at this when you so clearly you know (laughs) at the point where the subjunctive becomes natural I've never gone there and I've done a whole degree in French (laughs) yeah it's a it's really it's a weird thing I think also because I've liked French for so long um and it's been somewhere there in my life for so long um it feels like it has a lot more pressure on it than any other languages that I might take on. I feel like any other language that I might um, try in future, like has an easy run, like in the in the way that like I am a lot less pressure on everything else. <laughs> Oh, that's so interesting. Like, yeah, it's just a lot more like I I really don't mind if like I don't get very far in other things. I just want to like try them out and have a bit of fun and whatever. But this it's like French means something really special to me. Like it's in a really special place um for me and what exactly that means um going forward like if I do a C1 exam afterwards what does that mean? Um I don't know, it probably means that I will increase the number of books that I want to read in French, because, like, at the (laughs) moment, I'm happy to, like, last year I did a a challenge to myself to read five books in French, and I read seven, and I was like, yeah, that's awesome, so this year I'm trying to increase that. I think I'll probably just end up doing that and just, like, increase um, those kind of things, or maybe, like, watch X amount of French movies without the subtitles, you know, like, just give myself challenges, because I think... um, I don't know, I'm a glutton for punishment or something, and I just like mm-hmm. doing things like that. I have no idea. But yeah, it, it's there's definitely a a different kind of relationship with French yeah. to my other um, language aspirations, which is weird in itself anyway, because I never considered myself someone who would like bother to learn lots of different languages. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a difference, isn't there, between doing something just in order to be good at it and and doing something because you love it but still mm. wanting to be better at it because that's naturally how you want to be yeah yeah definitely <laughs> mm. so okay you let's say you're good at french <laughs> but it's funny right let's say you're good at french but let's also say it kind of doesn't matter because you mm. you you're you're better than you were you're always better Mm. Hmm. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but the other question that we we sort of talked about a little bit between us in in coaching was this: When are you done with a language? And mm. moving on from that, because I don't think there is an answer to that one. Oh my god! <laughs> you're you've 
sort of started looking for the second language to learn you've been taking that process mm. quite seriously can you talk about that for a few minutes <laughs> yes <laughs> how um, did that start <laughs> so uh oh, it, it this feels like such a convoluted story <laughs> but, but like to, to simplify things basically um somewhere around the whole uh Brexit situation two years ago, me and my boyfriend were kind of like, should we consider moving? Because that might be a cool thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That's how it started. And I thought, oh, well, I mean, German seems like a kind of cool language. Maybe I'll like look to that. Um, but then I think, I think it was like just Japan vloggers or something like that. I'd seen like on YouTube and stuff and that seemed kind of fun and cool and whatnot and I thought it might kind of be nice to learn Japanese as well so like those are the two languages that kind of popped out as possible thirds I guess mm. um and and you almost got stuck deciding between yeah. them a little <laughs> so I remember yeah. we worked on that quite a bit yes we did <laughs> so um I like I'm in a better place as far as plan for going forward but also um the the plan I thought I had <laughs> has been slightly confused just slightly mm -hmm. confused because um so I figured since I wasn't able to do the C1 exam at the end of last year that was my original thinking but then I had some like work projects that got in the way and it's just obviously I'm going to prioritize the thing that feeds me <laughs> over the thing that I just enjoy um, in that kind of way. So uh, now I've got another big project that's going to take probably two-ish months to do. Um, so now I'm looking to this spring to aim for my C1 French exam. So I'm kind of like in a place where um, my third language start is going to be probably after spring this year. Uh, which like I'm fine with that but in the meantime there's a lot of like flirting with both Japanese and German <laughs> so I'm like super aware of like I mean I I'm fine with it because at the same time it's like well you know this is all just part of the plan um, and yeah but uh, also to throw another wrench into things which isn't really a wrench it's more like just throwing else in the mix uh, <laughs> we decided like kind of almost last minute that we're gonna go on holiday for five days to berlin at the end of this month so i thought maybe i should prioritize that in this time <laughs> so i can like have fun getting around with a little bit of like chatting to german people even though they probably yeah like, speedy german <laughs> so i mean obviously that's like like weeks so you know from now it's like i don't have loads of time to like i'm not gonna ha be having any like in-depth philosophical discussions i'm gonna be like mm -hmm. where's the train station or what's that phrase in german like everything is train station that's gonna be me <laughs> there's <laughs> a yeah like... it's um i only understand train station <laughs> yeah that's the one <laughs> <laughs> which is so, yeah, for, for be listeners me. benefit it's what germans what you can say in German when you don't understand anything is you say, Ich verstehe nur Bahnhof. I only understand train station. So that's going to be me. But I'm <laughs> happy with that. Because <laughs> I think it's fun. Like, I think another thing is that... Oh, well, yeah. So this is another thing. Um, I didn't spend, like, any time at all, really, for most of my time doing French um, speaking. So mm -hmm. that's become a really recent thing. And I mean, like, I'm fine with it now. Well, not if it's just like um, a surprise attack of here's a conversation. I, I <laughs> as just an introverted person, that gets me nervous anyway. So um, I don't like that. But I um, I'm really enjoy my like French discussions that I have. I've got one actually for later today <laughs> and I'm looking forward to it. There's like just loads of stuff that is... Um, I don't know, I'm able to express now and it makes it really fun. But so that speaking portion was never really part of my um, beginnings or even intermediate stage really of, of doing French. And maybe because it was so downplayed in, you, in um, high school as well, you tend to underestimate how much you get out of that and how much that can help you. 
but when I'm thinking about like German and Japanese, some of what really um, excites me about it is that both of those languages feel really, really fun to speak、mm. to me. I mean, like I know a lot of people say like, "Oh, German sounds so harsh and blah blah blah," but I'm like,、oh, I don't know what you're talking about. It just sounds so fun. So. <laughs> So I mean that's just, that's obviously just my opinion, but it's just I think an interesting thing for me personally because like my favorite、um, thing in French、uh, when I was growing up、um, and like going through high school and stuff was writing. That was my favorite thing to do in French. It was what I was best at, and it was、uh, just the most fun activity to do.、Um, Reading was okay. I didn't really like listening, and I didn't really like speaking much. Like I didn't like any of the others as much as as just writing.、Mm-hmm. Um, and now I think that's like largely balanced out. But it's just interesting to me that the next language that or languages I'd be looking at are ones where I'm actually kind of excited to get to the stage where I can speak with people. Um, it's just kind of an unexpected thing for someone、uh, like me. In that way, and then also like thinking about、uh, like how much I like writing.、Um, I love the look of Japanese writing and stuff,、mm. but also though it's like one of those things where it would be really fun to write. But also, I think it would be a long time before I get to the stage where I'm able to. And the writing is something in my French, for example, that is so much more natural to me in my language learning. So it's like. The next languages that I'm going to be tackling not only benefit from my knowledge now of language learning, which would mean that my approach to learning a language is very different, but it's also that the languages themselves require something different from what French would require. So it's like I don't know. It feels like a lot of new territory, but in an exciting kind of way. Yeah, and you're right. I can tell you're still really charmed by both. German、yeah. and Japanese, which is just、uh, <laughs> to me, it's, it's, it's it's a really you know like it's a really nice thing to hear. <laughs> just this like real、it's、excitement、true. and to be to be led by this this interest, this curiosity, this desire to kind of get to you know get deeper into it. That's that's I think a great attribute for any language learner to have. I don't think you can you know you can tell somebody just be really curious. But if you feel it inside of you to to kind of give that the time of the day and bring it to light and go, oh yeah, what am I curious about? Ooh, what's、yeah. interesting here? Because it's different for every person. Some people say I just want to、mm. have conversations. That's the joy for me. The result is the joy.、Mm. And then other people, I'm also one of those who just gets excited about the sounds this thing makes, or、mm. you know, just <laughs> <laughs> characters, or being able to say a word in Russian and then go, ah,、oh, that sounded like a Russian word. It's、yeah. it's, it's exciting. In a different way, and then you've got that cultural、mm. depth, and so gosh, so much. So, to wrap it up, when's your exam? I guess we're we're all going to wish you good luck. So, if you're listening, <laughs> just think of Nicole. Think of you know, <laughs> <laughs> cross your fingers for the exam. When are you going for it? Um, assuming that I don't have any other like work things getting in the way, it's going to be spring. And if I do have any work things getting in the way, it's definitely going to be summer. But At like at the very latest, so <laughs> spring, two thousand and nineteen. Yay! L'année de C one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's um yeah. <laughs> so exciting and stressful. <laughs> Nicole, thank you so much for for taking the time for kind of talking a little bit more about. About this, you know, the I guess the challenge of being good at something, but also how you got there and how how good it feels. It's I think it's been a really wonderful conversation to have. We're、mm. gonna wrap it up, and the way we always wrap it up. So first of all, where can people, if if you're interested in sharing online, or if you want more French language partners, or even if you just wanna, if you've got your personal project or your work that you wanna share, where could people find you on the on the internets? Um, well,、uh, my website is nicolemillo dot com. Well, nicolemillo dot <laughs> com,、um, and then I am a very heavy Instagram user, <laughs> which I think is okay because you know I do illustrations, so it's it's all visual. So I'm supposed to be on there. It's not just wasting time, obviously. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so I'm Nicole Millo on there as well.、Um, 
Yeah, that I mean that's where I spend a a, a lot of too much time. <laughs> I don't follow you on Instagram, but I think I will now. That sounds really good. I love your illustrations. So oh, thank love, you. Love Thanks them. So love much. them. I saw that you did a tarot card, and I I like a good tarot oh, deck. Yeah. So I was like, oh, she did a tarot card. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's like my favorite thing to do. So it's a good thing that that's what I do for a job. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk to me and talk to the Fluent Show about about all of your adventures in language learning. Yeah, it's been super fun and like so bizarre because I never thought that I'd be like chatting to you on the podcast like this because like I'm I'm a podcast listener. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, this is kind of cool. <laughs> oh, we'll see. We'll see what we can do. And I, I don't know. I'm I'm forever in awe of most of the listeners and most of the no, all of you listeners. Sorry, uh, <laughs> but you know, like most of the that I know about and people who take this time out of. I don't know. I I, I never I never feel. I never don't feel impressed by every single person who comes to language learning, of their own account with their own background story it's just they're all different but they're always just you can just recognize the effort so much <laughs> so it's amazing right and with that with those final words listeners do follow nicole on instagram nicole millow and it's goodbye from me goodbye and goodbye from nicole to you Thank you for listening to The Fluent Show. Don't forget that you can send us your comments and questions to be answered on the show to Kirsten, that's K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk or you can find us on Twitter at The Fluent Show. We're always so excited to hear from you. We read every message. Don't forget to review us. See you next week.